the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. January 12th, 2021. The issues of tyranny and democracy were the largest of topics in the 1960s and 1970s in the Academy. Fresh with the memories of World War II Germany and the rise of the Soviet Union, liberal and conservative philosophers alike thought, spoke, and wrote about how tyranny rises, especially from a seemingly liberal or open society. Scholars from Hannah Arendt to Leo Strauss from Reinhold Niebuhr to others, this is what consumed them. Of course, on the right, outside the academy, but in the more general or political press, you had movies on these issues as much as you had writings from the likes of Viktor Frankl and Whitaker Chambers. There's a well-known moment in the Dustin Hoffman movie Marathon Man from 1976, where as a graduate student, his professor asks what his dissertation will be on, and he responds blithely, tyranny, sir, tyranny. In a way, it was a better time, at least a better time of scholarship and public thought, because there was, regardless of political opinion, a generalized consensus that socialism, tyrannous socialism, either of the Soviet or Nazi variety, were noxious, the enemies of liberalism, the enemies of the open society, enemies of democracy. There was also a consensus that America stood athwart it all, that while it possibly could happen here, it was not anywhere near acceptable here. And when movements mostly fringe or speakers mostly fringe claimed an American leader was a communist or communist sympathizer, they were scorned. This happened most famously, of course, with Robert Welch and the John Birch Society and Joseph McCarthy. They claimed Dwight Eisenhower or Harry Truman were communists or communist sympathizers. We thought back then that communism was so serious a threat to democracy that to compare an American to supporting it was tantamount itself to disloyalty. It was an unarticulated agreement about the horribleness, the poison, the toxins of communism. It wasn't until the 1960s, though, until you saw some comparing of American leaders, not to, not, not to communists, but to Nazis. Of course, you had the student protest movement of the late 1960s claiming American leaders fascists and Nazis, and you had a lot of that about Barry Goldwater and his movement in 1964. Famously, Gore Vidal called William Buckley a fascist on national television in 1968. The odd thing about all this was that it seemed somewhat okay call Americans fascists and Nazis, but never okay to call Americans communists or socialists. The first was respectable. The second was deemed to be questioning of loyalty and a cheap form of politics. Indeed, when Republicans campaigned on patriotism, two things were noticeable in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Democrats would charge they were wrapping themselves in the flag, that the Republicans were wrapping themselves in the flag and questioning by implementing implication or otherwise, the Democrats' loyalty to America. The other curious thing I never understood was why the Democrats didn't just wrap themselves up in and around patriotic themes as well. It wouldn't have been hard. So for one example, when Michael Dukakis, as governor of Massachusetts, vetoed a bill requiring the Pledge of Allegiance in Massachusetts schools, that became a huge issue for and against him. 
when he ran for president in 1988. One might just as well have asked, who vetoes the pledge in the first place? We've traveled a long way since then, since all that. Today, the most famous American governor can say America was never really that great. And the Democratic Party can host and boast of running candidates for office, from the House of Representatives to the presidency, who proudly claim themselves to be socialists. That was a big change for the Democratic Party, which used to go into high dungeons saying they were not socialists, tried to prove how hard they were against communism and who resented the questioning of their patriotism. What hasn't and never seemed to change was the other side, the liberals and the left having no problem calling conservatives and Republicans fascists and Nazis, as if that was not a questioning of patriotism or their commitment, Republicans' commitment to democracy. In other words, we never really achieved Thomas Jefferson's wish of not questioning the other party's loyalty, and usually because one side didn't play by this rule, the Democrats. For example, Joe Biden can come off as a nice guy and a moderate, speaking at John McCain's funeral, saying he misses bipartisanship in a politics where you didn't question the other guy's motives. This just a few years after saying to a black audience that Mitt Romney wanted to put blacks in chains. Today, it's pretty hard to be condemned for comparing Democrats to socialists because they proudly proclaim it of and for themselves. An entire book could be written on that. What they used to chafe about and be embarrassed about, they are now proud of. But what should not be forgotten is how the other side hasn't changed. From the student protesters of the 1960s who used to call Republicans fascists, you now have major elected leaders doing that about Republicans routinely, all the while lecturing Americans that Republicans have a rhetorical problem and an insurrectionist mentality, all the while lecturing Americans that Republicans have poured rhetorical and revolutionary fuels on the embers of partisan politics and, of course, thus have inspired or are responsible for its attendant political violence. And yet we seem to have quite the selective memory here about who has said what about whom to gin up insurrectionist or revolutionary or politically violent ideation. Quote, I never thought that could happen in this country. How do you elect a person president then all of a sudden give him the authority to be dictator? That's what Hitler did in Germany, close quote. I was James Clyburn last June. He's the majority whip in the House of Representatives, the party's number three. In August, Mr. Clyburn said Donald Trump was more like Benito Mussolini than Hitler. It took three months or more, I guess, of Trump's tyranny for Mr. Clyburn to realize he had dialed or defined dictatorship down. But perhaps not so fast. It was back in March of last year where Mr. Clyburn was describing the Republican Party and said, quote, I used to wonder how did the people of Germany allow Hitler to exist? But with each passing day, I'm beginning to understand how. That's why I'm trying to sound the alarm, close quote. When the side you don't agree with, our side, is placed outside the universe of respectable, no less tolerable political thought, you can do anything you want to them, anything. Once we're Hitler... A tyrant in power, after all, is the cause of the natural right condition to engage in justified revolution, isn't it? And when the Democrats have been using that language for so long with such impunity, whether Ilan Omar was calling President Trump a dictator tyrannizing, tyrannizing our communities last year, or Nancy Pelosi was calling federal troops stormtroopers last year. By the way, what was she referring to? Federal agents trying to protect a federal courthouse in Oregon that was under violent siege and firebombing 
and not from Trump supporters. Then they were stormtroopers, Nazi stormtroopers. There is nothing more destructive of the rights and ends of equality and liberty or natural rights as spelled out in our Declaration of Independence than fascism, Nazism, or communism. And so when a political opposition shovels us into those camps, particularly fascism and Nazism, you set the conditions for revolutions, at least violence, and the right to revolution, and that can justify practically anything, including one might imagine adjusting or tinkering with or irregularizing elections, but it certainly would include using the mass media and our education system to anathematize and marginalize opinions and points of view and positions of those camps we now belong to, the camps of the intervention, the irresponsible, the ancient regime. To put us in the words of Bill McGurn, unfit for polite society, he may be too generous. Never mind polite society, we are meant to feel now we are not any part of society. The great historian Simon Schama described the ancient regime of yore, regime of yore as, quote, a society so encrusted with anachronisms that only a shock of great violence could free the living organisms within. I give you the shock by giving you our media and education institutions, and yes, our political movements of most prominence, from Antifa to BLM. I give you the Democratic Party, which somehow got away with its supporters rioting and leading to the deaths of at least 30 Americans, costing upwards of $2 billion worth of damage last year, with its party leaders paying for the bail of the arrested when there were arrests. For good measure, stormtroopers and Hitler and Mussolini wasn't all we heard. Nancy Pelosi also said she was given a Sophie's Choice by Republicans last year over, of all things, a budget negotiation. Plenty of other phrases would have been available to her. Back when the Tea Party was ascendant, she said she saw swastikas at Tea Party rallies. She didn't. I mean, she didn't see them. She said she did. They didn't exist. And, of course, she called Donald Trump a racist on the floor of the Senate. We thank Steve Hayward for the history that following Newt Gingrich's landslide in 1994, Democratic Representative George Miller said, quote, it's a glorious day if you're a fascist. And Representative Charlie Rangel, Democrat, on GOP budget cuts under Gingrich, quote, Hitler wasn't even talking about doing these things. Democratic Representative Major Owens, quote, these are people who are practicing genocide with a smile and they're worse than Hitler. Worse than Hitler. Our own Secretary of State here in Arizona, Katie Hobbs, tweeted in 2017 that Donald Trump's supporters were neo-Nazis. All of this can come with a happy face, too. Jimmy Carter, an ex-president, called Donald Trump illegitimately elected. Then you have moderate Joe Biden saying Americans who opposed Obamacare a week after his election this past November were quote-unquote far-right ideologues. As not a single Republican voted for Obamacare, that's an awful big category of far-right to the president-elect who speaks in high tones of uniting the country. Or as Hillary Clinton herself put it two years ago, quote, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength, close quote. So you see peace and calm or civility. It's conditional to the Democrats and the rest of the far left or the left to be had only once they are in charge or in power, not before. Before is revolution time by any means necessary. 
And they tell us or lecture us that our politics is broken and that things have become too extreme because of us. And who is mandating and compelling loyalty tests these days? Who gets punished for not saying the exactly right thing when it comes to the modern woke language? Remember how Vaclav Havel wrote that storekeepers under the Soviet rule had to place the phrase workers of the world unite in their windows because in Havel's words, quote, that is the way it has to be. If he were to refuse, there would be trouble. He could be reproached for not having the proper decoration in his window. Someone might even accuse him of disloyalty. He does it because these things must be done if one is to get along in life. It is one of the thousands of details that guarantee him a tranquil life, in harmony with society, as they say. In harmony with society. One might even say peace or calm or civility. As I say, none of this is really new. It's just more voluble, and it's become more common. You didn't used to have congressmen and congresswomen talking this way. The Democrats of 1968 and 1972 wanted no truck with their radicals like the Weather Underground or Black Panthers. Today, the Democratic Party relies on them and has absorbed them. As Václav Havel put it, quote, The profound crisis of human identity brought on by living within a lie is a crisis that can only be seen as moral, close quote. So we must recognize this time for what it is a moral crisis brought on by a great series of lies and distortions. We know who they are. Let us make sure we are resolved to remain and know who we are. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're like me, um, you probably have all these channels and all these subscriptions, and yet it's still hard to find something good to watch. But if you haven't seen Porta CEO, The Incredible Journey of Herman Cain, I highly recommend it. Really one of the most inspirational and entertaining uh, movies of last year. It's available at SalemNow.com, and it uh, beautifully documents the life of uh, really a very beautiful man, Herman Cain. Got to know him a little bit. Uh, from uh, growing up in the uh, poorest of beginnings, humblest of beginnings, to becoming the CEO of a major corporation, having a great radio career, and running for president. SalemNow.com, it's where you, it's the only place where you can watch uh, Poor to CEO, The Incredible Journey of Herman Cain. Make sure and use promo code PHOENIX to save 20%. Dave, in surprise, welcome. Happy Tuesday, Dave. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me okay? No, not really. Very, very light. Okay. I'm sorry. There you yeah, go. That's much better. Much better. My Bluetooth. There you go. Uh, apologize about that. No worries. I, I loved your monologue. I, I We've talked about this a few times. Um, it used to be just the DNC that I thought was working against us politically. I think it's now the GOP, it's all the establishment politicians. And, and what they use pretty consistently for the last 30 years is hypocrisy, lies, and projection. And um, it, they, the things that they accuse us of, the totalitarian state being authoritarian, is exactly what they're doing. And, and it's, it's evident every day. Like, they, they've closed down the Capitol. I can't get access to our Capitol buildings anymore. I go down there over the Maricopa County Board of Elections almost every day, and they've got it fenced off now. Lord Ducey has done that. I um I don't I I I I'm, I'm I didn't know about that, uh, Dave. But is Someone it? Say, it sir. Huh? 
It started last Wednesday, sir. Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't know about it. I, I'm guessing it has to do with uh, a worry over threats or something like that? I, I talked to the PIO, Bart Graves, and he would not give me any credible threats, and he wouldn't do a press release to even inform the citizens of the state of Arizona that they do not have access to their state capital. I'll take a look at it. I thought it had to do with threats. That was what I thought, but I, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll take a look into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm scared for the way the country is going or has gone over the last 30 years. And, and I know you and I have spoken about it. I've spoken with other Salem radios. I don't see any other way to reclaim our republic other than people standing up like the 3% did in the Revolutionary War at this point. We're fighting both sides of the equation now. Yeah, I uh, I just don't agree. And uh, you were the uh, cause of one of my monologues on this. Uh, George Washington uh, didn't agree. James Madison didn't agree. Um, I think we have to be very careful with that kind of consideration, Dave. Um, the Democrats haven't even, Joe Biden hasn't even been inaugurated just yet. Um, so I um, I think I would I would I would just take a beat and think about uh, what rights uh, we do have and how we can use them for our best purposes and causes. There has been an awful lot of um, an awful lot of censorship going on against us uh, and even more in the news today with these major corporations and what they are saying about not giving money to um, Republican legislators, at least for the first quarter. But uh, keep in mind, uh, all of this, for the most part, uh, a substantial amount of this, for the most part, Twitter, Facebook, all these companies, these are not your government. These are not your government. These are private entities. And uh, I, don't, I don't think that uh, taking up arms against the government when it's not the government that's doing it is um, in any way a, a responsible way to think about this. Um, we have a lot of wound looking to do on our side, an awful lot of wound looking to do, and an awful lot of introspection as to what we want conservatism and the Republican Party to stand for, or conservatism in another party to stand for, if that's what people think is a better vehicle. But, um, but you know, I, I, I think that I heard this kind of talk when Barack Obama was inaugurated. I heard it when Bill Clinton was inaugurated. And I think that uh, you don't end big, long, important things at the snap of a finger. And uh, we're, we're, we're simply just not there yet. We're simply just not there yet. Light and intransient causes. Um, some of it may not be light. It might be transient. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It is time for our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. John, happy Tuesday. Seth? How are you doing? Fantastic, of good, course. Good, yeah. good. Yeah, you yeah. always what are. What a day I love that today. About Beautiful you. weather. Yeah, I love that about you. You're always upbeat. Stocks did a little better today. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little green at the end of the day. It was kind of a flat day overall compared to yesterday, which was a down day. Uh, but that the, we did see start a little bit of uh, the Russell um, index, which is the small cap stocks, getting a little boost today. So they were the, the shining star today of the markets, up about 1.5%. Uh, 
So small cap stocks getting a little bit of uh, love today. Do you think there's going to be a better stability once vaccines? How how much of the stability of the market do you think is related to vaccines and their distribution? Well, I think that it's going to be a, a big boost to the market if we can get the vaccines out there. Because what we're hearing, Seth, is that there have been a number of vaccines shipped, millions of vaccines shipped, but only a, a lower percentage of that have actually been administered. And the challenge is, is we're finding, even I heard uh, recently here in Arizona, people were lined up and uh, they were told that they only had X number of um, vaccines to to give and they had to turn people away. Mm-hmm. So uh, this the, the age has been reduced. The federal government now reduced the age to 65. So if you're 65 or older, now you can uh, apply to get the vaccine, which is good, as well as... Uh, for those out there, of course, in the medical industry, I know I have a couple people that I know, my sister and uh, one of our employees here at the firm, uh, their spouse has uh, gotten the vaccine because they're in the medical field. But then on the other side of it, I talked to someone else that, that said, "We're not. I'm not going to get the vaccine. Um, I think if I had the opportunity to get it, I think I would just get it. I think it, it's not going to hurt uh, to get the vaccine. That's just my opinion. And uh, so we can get past all of this. My thinking is that the rollout with basically people on the front lines is probably a pretty good way to satisfy those concerned about the effects, negative effects, side effects of the vaccine. So perhaps many of those who are now saying they aren't interested in it or don't want it want to take it perhaps their concerns will be quelled over just a little bit of time basically by the time it would be available for them you know if we didn't have a vac if we didn't have uh this pandemic right now mm-hmm. the markets would be uh, a lot uh freer than they are today right because there's so much uncertainty yeah. behind the vaccines so if we can get this behind us the markets could uh, ultimately um perform better. Companies can perform better. They have more certainty. They could begin hiring again. There's a lot of things, Seth, that that are hinging on this. And I know that uh, stocks have been on the rise, and it's all based on the assumption that this is going to get completed mm-hmm. and that we are going to see prosperity moving forward. That's mm-hmm. That's what the market is telling us right now. If there's a hitch somewhere along the line, then there might be a little bit of a, a pullback in the markets. It's kind of interesting, too, in a way, when you think about some of the states that we think of as being involved so heavily in headquartering um, companies that you know are involved in the market. New York would be first mm-hmm. among them, yep. perhaps uh, Illinois, perhaps California. You know, They're relying on a lot of other states right. and their abilities to do uh, competent distribution. There was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal, I think yesterday, about Christy Noem of uh, South Dakota and how she's basically teaching the rest of the country how to do it. They are, they are doing gangbusters yeah. in, um, in the rollout of their vaccinations well, and, and their and, distribution yeah. system that seems to be more up-to-date or up to date than other states. Well, and the U.S. basically said they're going to change mm-hmm. how they allocate the, yeah. um, the vaccines to the states that are administering it quicker so mm-hmm. that they can get it out. You know, if you've got all these vaccines just sitting there yeah. in some warehouse in some cold storage or whatever it has to be, uh, it's not doing anybody any good. Right. Uh, they're they're doing everything they can to produce as much of the vaccine as possible. Let's get it to the people who need it as soon as possible as well. Right. And of course, we're going to start seeing. I just saw a story coming across the transom here that uh, there there there's going to be some tinkering with who's in what phase too as things go forward. Right. Uh, I see teachers are now going to be. Uh, 
going to be uh, arguing for uh, for uh, uh, being pushed up into the phase uh, of the distribution. Listen, if that's what it takes to open uh, schools, fine. absolutely. Fine. Fine. I was just going to say the fine. same thing. If no. that's what it's going to take to get those schools open, get fine. it done because I feel bad for these kids who are going to be two years now without uh, a really solid education. You betcha, John. Thank you, sir. You bet. Securities and advisory services offer the Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and CIPIC, and an investment advisor, Grand King and Plenty Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. John Dombrowski. God bless you, sir. We'll talk to you later. Stay energized, stay healthy, stay vital. Balance of Nature helps you do all of that. Three green capsules, three red capsules. I take them first thing in the morning, and I am doing something really good that will keep me going all day. It's been keeping me going for a year now. Tens of thousands of vital nutrients from this 100% whole food, plant-based fruit and vegetable supplement. I love Balance of Nature. When I travel, it's the first thing I make sure it's in my suitcase. I never go anywhere without it, and they have a great deal. Right now is the greatest time to get it because they are offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751. Or go to balanceofnature.com and make sure to use discount code BALANCE. All organic balance of nature. Susan is in Scottsdale. Hello, Susan. Hi. How are you doing, Seth? Pretty well. How are you? I'm great. Okay. I have to tell you what we have to do, all us patriots. We have to go home in our state. We have to go in and get those machines out by uh, going the political way, doing it the legal way getting involved and uh, seeing that the elections become um, uh, uncontaminated and that we go back to no more mail-in ballots. We, um, we're the people. We have the power in the states. And each, if all the people, all of the 75 million go into their states and work on this, they can do this. It's something we can do at home. I totally and agree. I, I, I would say I, I totally agree. I would say uh, we have to first end unsolicited mail-in ballots, and second, we have to probably do some version of a voter ID program. And I think these are arguments that can easily be won, especially on the first with the vaccine coming out and and on the second with just basic common sense. I have never understood the argument against voter ID. You have to show ID to get into almost any major building, government or private, these days. You have to show it to travel. You have to show it almost anywhere. Why not when you vote? I think you have to and should have to. I do, too. And, and you know, when you have a 95-mile train of trucks and cars and motorcycles in Arizona and two, two um, uh, forms that Trump held out here the same day and twenty five to 30,000 people, and uh, Vice President Biden came to town, and there was no one in the parking lot. You can't tell me Biden won Arizona legally. I just won't buy it. My eyes tell me differently. So as a citizen of Arizona, we have to do our part. Now, in Scottsdale, uh, there is redevelopment all over all over Arizona. At first, it was slum and blight, and then it was redevelopment. And uh, we put together a group, and we ended up calling the Institute for Justice, and Clint Bullock came out. And we got, we petitioned the city of Scottsdale to take uh, redevelopment off. It mm-hmm. was just another name for slum of blight. Mm-hmm. And Clint Bullock went down to the legislature and argued it. And we have some of the strongest laws 
because of that. Yeah, you can do this with a little effort. I agree with you. There are these auxiliary institutions. Yeah, there are the Institute for Justice. Obviously, he's not there anymore. He's at our Supreme Court. But 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 uh, the Institute for Justice (laughs) is still around. The Goldwater Institute is still around. There are other organizations, of course. Alliance Defending Freedom. And, um, you know, one of the interesting things about Arizona and this election is a lot of people were predicting we were going to lose our, our, our state legislature. We didn't. By we, I mean Repub- the Republican Party. We didn't. We kept it. We also flipped the county recorder, which is the guy responsible, the office in charge of elections here in Maricopa County. Um, and that went from a Democrat to a Republican. So, you know, the opportunity to get to work and do the hard work is there for us if we do it. And I don't want to I don't I don't want to sit this one out right now. They're having hearings well, on redistricting, too. I mean, all of these things matter and we just have to be in the game as much as they are. They have been in the game more so and better than we have. And we see what happens when 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 we let them. That's right. And let's let Trump's example carry us forward, his strength and determination to go forward. You know, we all have that. We're, we're citizens of America, and we can save this country. No question in my mind. The American people can save this country. Of course, of course. The uh, capacity for self-renewal here is tremendous. Um, you know, we have been through dark times. We have been through darker times. Uh, this isn't the worst of times. Probably not in my lifetime, is it? And probably not in yours and certainly not in the history of America. But they are tough and they are hard. And uh, I think we haven't gone through tough and hard in a long time. We just kind of forgot how to deal with it. Uh, you know, after 1974 and 76, People thought the Republican Party was just a dead duck walking if it, you know, just had no chance of survival, uh, no chance of going forward after uh, the Nixon and Watergate uh, losses in the in the midterms. And then, of course, the Jimmy Carter presidency. But, you know, we 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 worked kind of hard for four years and got maybe the best president in our lifetime out of it. So, you know. None of these guys counseled retreat. Goldwater didn't counsel retreat in 64. You hear some of our audio on our promotions for that. And Reagan didn't counsel retreat in 76. Um, We shouldn't retreat now. No, I mean, you you, you can have a two-term Biden or Harris presidency, or you can have a one-term Biden and Harris presidency. I'd rather the latter. I would, too. And, you know, I have to tell you, um, the Arizona State Legislature has a website. You can go on there, find out who your legislators are. You can sign up to uh, request to speak, and and you can get involved that way. Yeah, also. no, that's actually a very good point. So I don't. We had a call saying it's physically closed, which I, I just don't know. It may or may not be. I'll I'll take the caller at his word that it may be physically closed. I think there are security precautions going on right now, but. That doesn't stop you from interacting with your legislators. I know a lot of people that have been emailing with them, and obviously they post all their emails. So whatever business you have, I'm sure, can be conducted. That's right. And Kelly Ward is an incredible fighter. She's just absolutely wonderful. So uh, we have a lot of uh, good people on our side, and we just have to stand yeah, it's up. A, yeah, we it's just, interesting. You don't want to tar the entire the entire party is one thing. Um, is the entire party Mitt Romney? No. Is the entire party Ted Cruz? No. Um, I think the party's probably at some kind of a dividing point uh, that it can go one way or the other. And, you know, I know, I, I know I'd rather it become a Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz kind of party myself because I think that's actually a party of conviction. Um, but 
you know, there's a way to let it not be, and that's to turn on ourselves and to turn and paint the entire party as one thing. I mean, you can't you well, can't, can't say the that. entire right. party is 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 you know an establishment against the wishes of the people when you see some of these uh, some of the leaders you've mentioned and some of the leaders I've mentioned. It just isn't. Who's the most prominent Republican senator right now? Maybe Mitch McConnell, but also maybe Ted Cruz. Oh, I think it's uh, Gozart. <laughs> Not Senator, but Congressman. Oh, pa- Congressman. <laughs> Paul Gosar, Andy Paul Biggs. Gosar. Andy Biggs will be yeah. checking in with us later. Andy By Biggs. the way, we will have um, the expert on social media and the law uh, joining us at the top of the next hour. What can we do about these private corporations uh, that are engaging in censorship? We'll be talking to Will Chamberlain about that at the top of the next hour. We'll be right back. You did a 100-meter speed thing? What was that for, to get back in time? Do we need to talk about this push-up contest that has been foisted on us at some point? Oh, my gosh. Mark Lucas has a lot to – he's one of our colleagues who suggested we redo or do another version of the push-up contest. Fine. Bill and I had a team last year. We won. We'll do it again if we have to. But it's fallen apart at the seams because the rules were that we post our daily push-ups daily on a spreadsheet you gave wide access to. And their team says they don't want to do that. They just want to – put them in at the very last minute, their aggregate number, as if this is like Pennsylvania voting or something like that. This is why I didn't want to do it. I knew the rules would be... If you'd like me to play this game, I will. Yeah, exactly. I've done it before. We've done it before. We'll win again. Elise Stefanik is probably one of the most moderate Republicans in the House of Representatives, and Harvard's Kennedy School, which is their school of public policy, just tossed her off their board of advisors, which is um, they used as the excuse the fact that she wanted to um, wanted to investigate election irregularities. She uh, she wrote a pretty strong response back. This is a woman to watch. She doesn't cower as a conservative Republican. It is a rite of passage and badge of honor to join the long line of leaders who have been boycotted, protested and canceled by colleges and universities across America. The decision by Harvard's administration to cower and cave to the woke left will continue to erode diversity of thought, public discourse, and ultimately the student experience. The Ivory Tower's march toward a monoculture of like-minded, intolerant liberal views demonstrates the sneering disdain for everyday Americans and will instill a culture of fear for students who will understand that a conservative viewpoint will not be tolerated and will be silenced. During my time in Congress, serving on the House Committee of Education and, on Education and Labor, I've already taken on, taken on Harvard and won, building a bipartisan coalition of members of Congress who successfully fought against Harvard's unconstitutional attack on freedom of association for single-sex organizations remains one of my proudest achievements. I relish the opportunity to stand up for freedom of speech and freedom of thought on college campuses across America. Congratulations, Harvard. The entire board of the Institute of Politics now consists only of Joe Biden voters. How reflective of America. Nicely said. Can you imagine a governing body at Harvard is entirely made up of members of one party, one political party? I can. She'll be happier not there. Less headaches for her.
more opportunity to do more work for us. I'm Seth Liebson, Will Chamberlain coming right up.